I hope you're doing all right uh, this morning. I want to talk about turning an entangled mess into blended and blessed. Back in the 70s, there was a show that lasted five years, and then it went off the air because of uh, mediocre ratings. It was the Brady Bunch, and it was about a blended family. And then uh, it became uh, so popular in the 80s uh, through syndication, that they made a movie, the Brady Bunch movie. And uh, then they made another Brady Bunch movie, Brady Bunch in the White House. And uh, I didn't see any of those movies, but I have seen the show in syndication. How many of you have seen the Brady Bunch? Okay, anybody thinking that that has anything to do with what a blended family is like is sadly mistaken. Our problems are not solved in 22 minutes plus commercials. Not everybody has full-time help. There aren't seven bathrooms in every family. And the children don't just magically come tripling down the stairs with smiles on their faces, ready to take on the day. It's not easy. And I want to talk to you about reality today. I want to talk to you, first of all, about the Davy Bunch. David had a big, entangled mess. He had um, eight wives uh, that are named and others that aren't named. He had 19 children that were identified, others that were not. And they had a few problems in their blended family, like favoritism, uh, arguments over uh, how to raise the kids, Uh, There was rape, there was sex among the kids, there was murder uh, of one of the kids by another, there was jealousy. That's the Davy Bunch, and that's closer to reality than the Brady Bunch. There are a lot of step families and blended families in Scripture that have been blessed. Jesus was from a blended family. His father was not the same father as his brothers and sisters, and... um, His father was God. Says he was perfect. I guess he never did what I would have done. I would have said, my dad can annihilate your dad. But he he never did that. So I'm starting with a very important proverb for anybody that's thinking about getting out of a marriage so that you can start a new blended family. And the proverb is this, Proverbs 14, 16. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools rush ahead with reckless confidence. You see, if you're married and you're considering leaving, if you will decide to stay and work on it, statistics show that five years later you will be happier if you stay married than if you get a divorce. You don't want to just stay married. You want to make it great. But the warning here is not to plunge ahead in creating a blended family with reckless confidence. You started together. You need to finish together no matter what. Now, the first point on your detailed outline, right above the scripture, you would write, avoiding a mess. Now, this is a message to anybody, uh, any parent that is dating and considering starting a blended family. Now, what is the one criteria that everybody in the church looks for uh, in dating someone? What is it? 
that they're a Christian, right? Well, what does that mean? There are a lot of different kinds of Christians. But I want to give you the criteria for dating that is right here in the Bible. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 5.11. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, says they're Christian, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. So those are your guidelines to dating and dining that Jesus has laid out. And you're not going to love that person enough to change them. So if you are um, dating somebody that is involved in sexual sin or pressuring you into sexual sin, they're not generous, uh, they're greedy, uh, God is, is not first, their idol is money or self-image or their career, uh, they're abusive rather than loving, uh, they are drunk on alcohol or high on marijuana in the three states where it's been legalized, whatever it is that they're dealing with, you know, they, this is not the person to marry. They're either Mr. or Miss Wrong or Mr. or Miss Never Will Be or Mr. or Miss Not Right Now. Don't let yourself get kidnapped into a marriage where you wake up and find out you married the same person in a different costume. That happens all the time. So you need a lot of input about who you want to marry, whether you're putting together a blended family or not. You know, romance is a drug that gets us closer to mental illness than we will ever be. It is a drug that makes the people around you want to take drugs just to deal with you. And so you need people in your... I've seen desperate women that aren't connected to other women who would say, hey, have you noticed this or that? And they get married and they find out that they're more alone married than they were when they were single. Now, I was divorced in 2002. Of course, it wasn't my fault. And um, actually, my um, previous person uh, had an affair, and I confronted her, and she divorced me. And so I went into quarantine where I would not look at, talk to, or touch a female, uh, which everybody that gets divorced needs to go into quarantine. I was scared to death about what might happen to my life. I didn't want to be hurt again. I was devastated. But uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend on radio with me uh, got me to commit to date 20 people. And uh, don't stop till you date 20. And, and um, that way you'll get back in the dating thing and you won't settle on one person who's just nice to you. So... I had met Misty, my wife, at a conference, and when I was out of quarantine, we started to email. We emailed for months, never speaking on the phone. So without feeling uneasy about looking each other in the eye, we could really reveal stuff about ourselves, and we got to know each other really well. Then finally, I called her 
and we talked on the phone a couple of months, and then finally we had a date. She was number three, and after I had a date with her, the other 17 had no chance. But I did finish the assignment. She was the most fascinating person I had ever met in my life. She was a joy manufacturing plant. But I went to see her therapist. She went to see my therapist. We got premarital counseling. The parents had to approve. Uh, I wanted to have children, so uh, I wanted to marry someone a little younger than me. So we went to the pastor, and he said that Mary was probably, when she had Jesus, about 13, and Joseph was in his 40s. And so he gave us uh, his blessing, and we got, we got married. And, uh, but we had so much input before we married because we, we didn't want to make the same mistake as before. There's a 20th century poet, Roy Croft, who wrote these words, I love you not because of who you are, but for who I am when I am with you. <laughs> you better marry somebody because of who they are, not just because they can manipulate or say things that make you uh, excited or whatever. How you feel with them is a lot less important than the character they have. Second point is no safety nets. You start over together to finish together no matter what. So there's no back door, there's no safety net, there's no stepping out when you need to step up in the family. Ephesians 4.31 tells you how to do this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, if you'll do these things every day, if you woke up and read that scripture every day, there would not be a need for a safety net, a back door, or to you to step out. But here's the reality about second marriages. 65% of them end in divorce. Most of them fail because people get into them and, um, and rather than say, okay, a former covenant was broken. Now I need to make an even stronger covenant, they kind of keep a back door open. Now, God forgives, but you've been burned if, if you've been through a divorce. And you have been, uh, if like me, hit by a train. And it's not easy to recover from that. So you need a covenant that's more binding than the first so that you can finish together. And, you know, before uh, when you chose that other person, if your people picker was broken, you better be sure the people picker is fixed before you pick this next person or you're going to be in trouble. So even though it's slim pickings, you need to be sure your people picker is working. And if you're in a relationship that is littered with bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, and all types of evil behavior, you need to get help, and you need to clean it up so you can fill it up 
with kindness and tenderness and forgiveness. Now, the third point is parenting the best. If you get together, if you aren't going to parent together, you're most likely not going to stay together and finish together. But the good news is parenting can change. Uh, Jimmy Evans, uh, one pastor that I heard speak on this, said this is the mother of all problems of blended families. Another pastor entitled his sermon addressing this, Hell on Earth. Now, I don't have that bad an attitude, even though I kind of have a bad attitude, but most blended families will start with the kids and then the marriage will be second. Whereas in most non-blended families, you start with the marriage and then the kids come along. Well, you can't build a marriage around kids. But you can build kids around marriage. And this second marriage is an opportunity for you to model to the children what it could have been like, what it should have been like, what it can be like. And um, too often we are reparenting like um, parenting is permanent, but the marriage might be not permanent. So that's a half-hearted commitment versus a new covenant. Somebody's thinking, well, if I have to choose you or my child, I have to choose my child because I'm going to be their father or mother forever. But I might dump you in a couple of years. So I've got to choose them. See, that, that doesn't work at all. You have to put the marriage first. And if you don't, it's probably not going to work out. And um, so many times there's unfairness that's there. My child's driving a BMW. Her child is driving a 1985 pickup. That's not exactly the way it needs to be. P.J. Rourke said, everyone knows how to raise children except those who actually have children. And there, there is some truth uh, to that. And the best thing that you can do in raising children is to treat the mother or the father of those children with tremendous respect. And if you don't do that, uh, you're going to fail as a parent. Now, here's a verse for you, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, and I think that applies to mothers too, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, when somebody comes into a blended family, they often expect to be respected. And they want to lead. And they discipline too soon. And they want to be seen as a leader. And they want to be seen as a savior. They want to be seen as the great hope for this struggling family out there that, that doesn't have a dad or a mom. But in reality, the kids may be seeing you as a walking wrecking ball who spoiled their fantasy or you're an, a live-in terrorist or a 
bozo in a clown outfit. Or they don't see you at all. You're invisible to them. There's a cartoon of a little boy sitting on a counselor's couch saying, well, I've uh, had to move out of the neighborhood and leave all my friends behind and change schools to move into a house I hate with six other kids that I can't stand where we're all sharing one bathroom where there's a, a stepdad that needs to, to watch his step. And, uh, but uh, other than that, I'm, I'm doing fine. I mean, we have to consider the children before we bring this family uh, together. Otherwise, it's not going to be a marriage. It's going to be viewed as a hostile takeover. When um, Misty and I married, she had James and Carter, and I had Madeline. And I always wanted a lot of kids. So I fell in love with her two boys. They're great kids. I still love them today most days. And, um, and so we, we brought them together. But my first, my first uh, strategy with them was to get them to see me as a friend. So I had fun with them and gave them what they wanted, candy and ice cream. And so I became their friend. And then I stepped it up to kind of the role of a benevolent uncle or like a grandfather, which at my age was not difficult to do. <laughs> and then I said to them, you have a father. You don't need another father. I don't want to be called a stepfather. So I'm going to be your bonus father. You get your fathering from your father, and I'll just be a bonus to whatever your father does. And you'll be my bonus sons, because I, I always wanted more kids, and you're my new bonus. And we still refer to each other that way. And I think if you talk to them, um, they, they would say that we have a great love relationship. So now, we are uh, in this blended family together, and I felt like I had to earn their respect rather than demand their respect. And so I didn't demand that I be viewed as anything other than a new person in their life. And I would in, encourage anybody to raise, go into a blended family from that perspective. Now, Perhaps the number one issue that will help you prevent problems is it doesn't, there's no way to prevent stuff from happening. There's no way to prevent problems and, um, and catastrophes in a blended family. It's not that they're going to happen, it's how you respond to them that makes the difference. You have to respond as a team. You have to respond swiftly and fairly and with wisdom. And you respond in a way that the end result is a child grows in character and respect. But if you're reacting all the time, then you're truly not responding in the way that God wants you to respond. 
Now, um, the fourth is passing the test. You say, well, what's the test? Well, you have a test every day in a blended family. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. So we want to solve problems together so we finish together. And if you brought your ex into the, the marriage, whether it's because you still hate your ex or you are still having love feelings for your ex, you need to get your ex out of the marriage so that you're not looking at the past, but you're focused on the future. Satan wants you to live in the past, and he'll poison you with things like, oh, you should have married this other person, or you should have never gotten married. Or this is a bigger mistake than you've ever dreamed you could make. That's what Satan wants you to think. And there's a great example of how he did that with the Israelites. In Exodus 14, Moses brings them out to a peninsula, and all that's in front of them is the Red Sea. And they say, what? There weren't graves enough in Egypt? You had to bring us out here to die? And they say, we should have stayed and served the Egyptians. Well, I think they were forgetting about the beatings, the, the chains, the slavery, the torture. But in a moment of panic, they're ready to go back. That's what Satan does. Listen to how Moses responds. He doesn't react. He doesn't say, you, you stupid Israelites, don't you see what... No, he's like a father... And he says, do not be afraid. He didn't react. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the difference that the Lord is going to make today. That, that's what he said. And I think the parting of the Red Sea was a big enough difference for them to see on that very day. So we don't want to react. We don't want to go back and like Satan wants us to do. He's poisoning us. He also poisons us with vows. Like, I made a vow, I will never be hurt by a woman again. Now see, that's not turning my life over to God. That's me protecting myself. Or you may have made a vow that I will never, ever be controlled by a man. And those are vows that Satan wants you to keep while you're breaking the vows that God wants you to keep. And you make assumptions and judgments. All men are only after sex. Well, that's not true. There are a couple that aren't. And No, it isn't true. All men aren't bad. All men aren't just after sex. There are some good men. You make these assumptions. Or all women are out to control me. And that's not true. In most cases, in some cases, it's not true. And so we we have to eradicate those judgments and those assumptions so that we can come together and be whole as a couple. So you get rid of the vows and the judgments, and you pass the test. 
You pass the test. When things get tough, you step up. You don't step out. And you work through it so that you finish together. You accept. You accommodate each other. And you team up as parents or you lose the team. And then number five, you can have a blended and blessed family. Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of, life, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, if you're like me, when you, when you got divorced, you experienced shame. I felt shame and embarrassment. I felt uh, guilt and shame, and, and I felt like a second-class Christian. And, and here, God is saying, listen, that's your problem. That's coming from you because there is no condemnation in those who believe in Christ Jesus. God forgives. Now, He forgives, but, you know, you've been hurt. You've been run over. And so you need to, you need to deal with that shame and living in condemnation. And then, plan B can stand for blessed. God really does want to bless you. He hates divorce, and He hates a divorce for you the second time, just as much as He hated divorce the first time. So you grab His grace, you shuck the shame, and, and you experience the blessing of God. Now, Misty and I picked up plan B after our plan A's blew up. And, and it's kind of strange because you could say that the two children that we have, Solomon is seven and Amelia is four, well, they should have, you know, those marriages, uh, if they had worked out, those kids would have never been here. But I believe once plan B gets started, that's God's plan A. And so those kids are absolutely meant to be here. And they're amazing kids. Solomon described his little sister the other day as the 4th of July. Now, I love that. And I love those kids. And I know that a family can be blessed because I love my wife. I think she is as fascinating today and captivating today as when I first met her. And we've been married for nine years. And it hasn't worn off. So I know that the blessing can come to a blended family if you'll do the work. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. If you are plowing into your marriage, if you're trying to force it to get better, it's his spirit that will make the difference. You avoid a mess by considering the qualifications of the people you date. And with the power of the Spirit, you make a good decision. You avoid uh, any safety nets being put in place. No back doors. You parent the best. And to do that, you may need to ask for forgiveness from some children and start over. 
You pass the test by daily getting the test right and dealing with the trouble. And you, you become blended and blessed by living in the blessing that a forgiving and grace-filled God wants you to have. So I'm hoping that this week, maybe you would sit down, whether you're in a blended family or not, and consider if these are parts of your marriage. And if not, maybe you would talk about how you could fix it, uh, how you could make things better, and get some help if you need help from a pastor or a counselor, someone in Stephen's ministry. C.S. Lewis said, you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. And I believe for every blended family, God picks up plan B and gives you a new dream. But you have to dream it. You have to live it. Because God is a God of second chances. And he really wants to bless you, blended or not. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that something, by the power of your Spirit, will touch someone's life today and that they would decide it's going to be different or they decide it's never going to happen or they decide to step up rather than step out. I ask the power of your spirit to move in the hearts of these people this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.